This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This is Matt's mom, and this is Joe's mom, and, and you, you are, are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comicast with Joe and, Joe and Matt. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like this. Oh my damn God, it's episode 114 of THN, where we're celebrating Mother's Day and talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, May 8th. My name is Matt Baum, that's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, and when I'm not solving problems on the internet, while my techno-tarded co-host throws poop at his computer, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. You asked me to do something and didn't give me five damn minutes to do it. You knew I was at work. I got it done, that's all I can say. Whatever. And I'm Joe Patrick, that's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not skipping out on my answer of the week duties to shop for lap dogs, true story. Yep. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. And don't tell Beats and Mabel, but dude says he doesn't want a pug. That makes him a terrible person. Listen, I don't want a pug because pugs have health problems. This week on the show, oh, they all have health problems. This week on the show, you'll hear reviews of Chin Music Number 1 and Grim Number 1. After that, we'll wave goodbye to our mothers as we load ourselves into a giant cannon during the ludicrous speed round and then we will join some of comics' sexiest MILFs in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for Cosmos and Gossip about next week's comics. And finally, we'll make one lucky listener's mother proud when we answer their question during this month's episode of Ask a Nerd. But before we get to all the Yo Mama So Fat jokes, let's take a moment to send mad love to mommies everywhere. We wouldn't be here without yous. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. Some sad news coming out of Hollywood this week. NBC has officially passed on the Sixth Gun TV series. The supernatural western from Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt was optioned some months ago, and now our hopes of seeing Drake Sinclair and Becky Moncrief on the small screen have been dashed. The creators took to Twitter when the news broke, pledging their ongoing dedication to the comic. Writer Cullen Bunn tweeted, quote, the crummy news, NBC did not pick up the sixth gun as a series. The good news, Brian and I still have an awesome comic to focus on. Artist Brian Hurt followed with, quote, At the end of the day, Colin and I intend to stay focused on the one thing we do have control over, the comic. Thanks for all your support. Chew writer John Lehman summed it up best, saying, quote, In some alternate dimension, the best network ever has a block of lock and key, chew and sixth gun. Not this universe, though. This is a brutal bummer. I don't think this is a brutal bummer, and here's why. I don't want to see the Six Gun on NBC. I don't want it there. I, if they're going to do the Six Gun, I want them to do it someplace <sighs> where they'll have more freedom, like an FX or an AMC or something. Yeah, but there's nothing about the Sixth Gun that's necessarily. I'm not saying there. I'm not saying there is. What I'm saying is, but when you make something for a major network, uh, whatever the show is, be it ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, there is a different marker for success. You know what I mean? And they're so worried about pleasing millions of viewers that everything has to be watered down. It has to be weak. It has to be watered down. It has to appeal to everyone. Whereas you do it on an FX, you do it on an AMC, then you've got a niche of nerds. They're going to watch it. And if they get 100,000 people, or not, maybe not 100,000, but you know, they get 800,000 to a million people to watch it, it's a huge success. 800,000 to a million people watching it on NBC complete failure yeah that's you know fair what I enough mean? so i'd rather see this somewhere else it's a bummer that it's not getting developed but maybe it gets developed somewhere else maybe sci-fi picks this up it'd be great there you know i would yeah. love to see him do it there yeah i just want to see like these are these are shows that absolutely deserve 
or that would thrive, I think, oh, as serialized TV shows. And so I was kind of eager to see Chu and Lock and Key, or uh, Lock and Key got uh, passed on years ago, but I would have loved to see Chu and Six Gun get picked up. By all accounts, the Lock and Key pilot is amazing. I'm saying don't do it on major network TV. Mm-hmm. Do it someplace where it can thrive and survive. Fair. In other Hollywood news, Disney has officially announced their first animated feature based on a Marvel property. Will it be the incredible style Fantastic Four animated film that we've all been hoping for? No. Get ready for Big Hero 6. Coming yeah! to theaters November 6th, 2014. Big Hero 6, of course, is a team of Japanese heroes created by Steve Siegel and Duncan Rulau in the pages of Alpha Flight during the late 90s. The team has made a handful of quiet appearances over the past 15 years, appearing most recently in the Spider-Man Ends of the Earth one-shot, and even then, only very briefly. According to the film's official logline, Big Hero 6 is, quote, an action comedy adventure about brilliant robotics prodigy Hiro Hamada, who finds himself in the grips of a criminal plot that threatens to destroy the fast-paced, high-tech city of San Francisco. San Francisco. <laughs> with the help of his closest companion, a robot named Baymax, Hero joins forces with a reluctant team of first-time crime fighters on a mission to save their city. Joe, on a scale of super excited to holy f- I'm excited. How excited are you for this? I'm not super excited. I am neither of those things. <laughs> There's so many great animated things it could go for. I understand why they're going for this one. And it's because... Man of Action Studios has given us hits like uh, Generator Rex and Ben 10. Sure, yeah. And they want to get in on that money. And Big Hero 6 very well may and lend itself it to that. And it will also play very well with uh, the youth. This is for a younger audience, and I think Big Hero 6 plays perfectly to this. I think this is a ton more money in the Man of Action Studios' pockets. It's a, probably a good thing. It's just not necessarily the thing yeah, I want to see. Y- right, exactly. Um, I think it's a gateway, maybe, to, to better things in the future. Quite possibly. And it might be fantastic. It might end up being really great. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with Big Hero Six. It's no, just no, no. that you know when you when you think Disney bought Marvel, now l- the let's see how they cut right. loose, and you're just like hoping against hope that we're gonna get something on the level of the Incredibles right. or or whatever. And it's it's. Let me ask you this: Big Hero Six <laughs> along along the same kids line. What if it was Power Pack? Would you be excited? You know, I'd probably be a little bit more excited. I, I would be excited. Because I have a stronger affinity <laughs> right. towards Power Pack. Like, I remember the Power Pack. Yeah. I want to see the Horsehead Aliens showing up. Uh, the the Chimelians, yes. Them too, yes. <laughs> Finally, Valiant Entertainment has announced at least one of the changes spinning out of this summer's Harbinger Wars crossover. Beginning with issue 14 in September, Bloodshot will start sharing the spotlight with none other than the Hardcore. Bloodshot and the Hardcore number 14 will also feature a brand new creative team for the title in the form of former Archer and Armstrong artist Emanuela Lupacino. I like him. And Valiant newcomer Christos Gage. I think it's just Emanuel. Emanuela. That's exactly how it's spelled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, like, make it up. It's a she. Maybe. Yeah. Remember the old uh, Cinemax skin flicks, Emanuela? Those were just Emanuel. No, that was Emanuela. She was a girl, and she like went places and had sex with the Brazilian soccer yes, team. Yes, it's Emmanuel. E M M A N U E L L E. Emmanuel. I think they always called her Emanuela. Stop it. <laughs> In an interview with Newsarama, Gage had this to say about the return of the hardcore. 
Quote, we've seen Psyots, we've seen Shadow Man, we've seen people with different types of powers, and Hardcore is the human response to that. It's humanity's answer to the superpowers in the Valiant Universe by giving powers to normal people. However, they may come with a cost. The normal human body wasn't meant to handle that. Now, Matt, the only thing I remember about Hardcore was a sweet Jim Lee cover on issue number one. (laughs) Way back in the 90s. I remember it too. Is this good news? I think it's going to be cool. And I was at the Valiant panel at C2E2 where they were addressing this. And the way they addressed it sound really cool. Like, hardcore is going to be sort of like a Thunder Agents type thing. Kind of how it sounds, yeah. But handled really poorly. Like, it's rushed. It's it's thrown out in a big hurry because they're terrified of what's going on with Bloodshot and the Harbinger Wars and stuff like that. And so they're like, oh, God, humanity's got to keep up and protect itself. And so they described it the hardcore as handling things and I, I might have this quote wrong but it was something i'm paraphrasing a re- mentally retarded jackhammer oh. <laughs> like, or it's like when the hardcore shows up terrible shit happens and everything gets broken sure yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> so i think this is going to be fun i trust valiant i, I really enjoy everything it's, that's going on there it's interesting that it's they're being added to an existing title yes oh and they call them a retarded wrecking ball a not a jackhammer <laughs> But I think it's I think it's a, a smart way to do it rather than just fart a, har- a hardcore series onto the market right. that might not want to support it. Also announced right after I finished writing the story, Eternal Warrior number one coming yeah. in September, which will be fun. Yeah. So, but like yeah, they're gently introducing this stuff. Like Ninjak was gently introduced, and you know the Eternal Warrior gently mm-hmm. introduced into these other books, and everything kind of very naturally spins out of it. And it's mm-hmm. a great way to do it. It's yeah, they're building I, I love very, the way that they're growing the universe. It's a very well interconnected universe. It all makes sense. It's it all fits together. It's all the tone works. You know, I think it's going to be more fun. I, I think that uh, well, the the uh, free comic book day issue had teasers for hardcore Eternal Warrior and a Ninjak series all coming late summer. Um, I don't know if Ninjak will be in his own book or, or what or what form that will take. But <clears throat> like you said, the way they're expanding the universe, it's very organically mm-hmm. it's very organically branching out and it's all leading to their new take on Unity. Unity which is gonna be awesome. I guess. Um uh, well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't excited about Unity in the past. I find myself excited now. Well, right, but I wasn't reading Valiant in the past, so I don't care. I only read a little bit of it. Yeah. Uh, I think as comebacks go, Valiant is doing this 100% right. Kicking it. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where you can see a picture of me smashing my retarded wrecking balls into Joe Patrick's face. Each week, that mean motherfucker Joe Patrick posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter, and we not only read your responses, but if you call us on Skype using our Skype name, Two-Headed Nerd, all one word, no spaces, or our new phone number, 402-819-4894, you can leave us a message and we will play them on the Answer of the Week audio blog exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe Patrick, what did we ask these nerds this week? This week's question was... In the vein of the Valiant comeback, what obscure comic properties would you like to see return in the modern day? Maybe not the Valiant comeback, but the hardcore comeback. 
Well, in general, Valiant in general. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. It's a fun question because there's a million out there. Yo, you bet. I've got an answer. I've got answers. I got one too. Giant gangrene jujitsu gerbils. Shut up. Save it for the answer <laughs> of the week. If you want to hear us making fun of your answers along with our own misinformed responses, go to twoeditnerd.com and check out the unedited Not Safe for Wife Beaters Answer of the Week audio blog. Sometime next week. Sometime next week. Sometimes it's Wednesday. Sometimes it's Friday. It depends if we're shopping for Listen, I'm playing around with the right day to release it because I like to space the content out. It depends if, you know, one of us is shopping for a shit to poo or whatever they call it. Deal with it, America. (laughs) It's free content. What are you complaining about? Why do we never get an answer when we're knocking at It's review time on THN, where Matt and I review two of this week's new comics and decide whether their mothers should still love them or not. Matt, what did you read this week? This week, I read Chin Music number one from Image Comics, written by Steve Niles, with art by Tony Harris. Here is your solicit. Shaw is a man on the run and lost in time. Fleeing ancient enemies, Shaw finds himself in Prohibition-era Chicago, surrounded by gangsters and demons alike, and caught between law enforcement and the local supernatural underground. Chin music is a tale of mysticism and violence like nothing you've experienced before. This solicit is very important, because it is the only thing that really gives us a clue (laughs) into what is a pretty jumbled story. And I guarantee you that most of the people that read Chin music did not read the solicit. Probably not. So... I'm going to review this. It's going to be hard. I'm going to review this. It's going to be hard. And Joe Patrick is going to help like retarded help me walk balls. through this. <laughs> We're going to hit this one like a couple of retarded wrecking balls. This is a really tough one to review. And like I said, it's because I'm not completely sure what happened. Here. I think we got it figured out. Here's what I do know. Tony Harris is completely amazing. I've loved his work as long as I can remember reading his comics. And somehow he got even better here. This comic just looks amazing. Harris is up to his usual tricks with his very creative, sprawling Art Deco paneling and his hard-lined, realistic art. But there's something that's changed, and I think it's in his shading and his coloring, that just gives his book a totally different look. And I love it. The gore that he does here is realistic and hard to look at. It looks painful. It's gross. The action is completely kinetic, very fast-paced, Everything about Harris's art here is just masterful. I loved it. Here's the problem. Like I said, the story, almost impossible to decipher in one read. Here's what I gleaned. Help me out, Joe Patrick. There's I'm ready. A, there's a guy with a, with a scar and a magic bullet in 1930s America. Yeah. That is Shaw, correct? I'm saying so. And we're saying that is Shaw. What seems to be the same guy is running around ancient Egypt. Shaw. Yes, being cha- flashback, flash in a flashback, being chased by a guy with red eyes and some of his friends, demon buddies, demon buddies. Yeah, the red eyes guy and his buddies tear the skin off Scar Guy Shaw. Sure, and in that moment, uh, or later, or possibly later, <laughs> Shaw seems to be transported to 1930s America. There's definitely a time shift, which is where the book began. Well, yeah. I think I think if you look at the art and the way Harris paces the panels, uh, you can see that the initial scene with the guy, lo- you know, loading his magic bullet into his gun, right, is leading into this scene in the desert, which is a flashback, the sort of flashback that got us to where we are right now. But then, before it flashes back to the present and Scar Guy with his gun, there's a definite change in 
uh, location. Oh, yeah. And time. And time. Big time. Because they are definitely in ancient Egypt. Yeah, and it even says ancient enemies right there in the solicit. That is your clue Yes, that there's time travel. All of a sudden, they, are, they go from ancient Egypt to 20s or 30s era America, and there is no clear indicator how or when. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure we're going to get to that. There's two ways to look at this. The very simple way would be to say, well, Steve Niles isn't telling a very good story here. But I don't think that's the case. I think Steve Niles is letting Tony Harris tell the story. Yeah, if you look at this book, it's got very little dialogue. Yeah, it really does. And I think and no captions. I think Tony Harris is good enough that he can tell a story with his imagery. Oh, yeah. And it is going to come together. This is thick. It's it, it thick in the sense that the storytelling is very intelligent. You know, I think I see them working here. It took me a little bit to figure it out, and I had to talk through it with you. Yeah. But I, I really like what's going on here. Right. And I don't reread I don't reread books very often. I mean, maybe I should as a, as a reviewer. I should maybe yeah, probably. give things more than one <laughs> cursory glance. But, you know, I'm more of a gut feeling kind of guy. <laughs> but uh, I, I had to look at this multiple times before I was we're, like... Remember, we it's butt feeling. We're, we're yeah, taking gut out of everything. I, everything becomes I, butt I, feeling I'm or butt wrenching. butt feeling kind of guy. <laughs> and so I, I looked at this multiple times, and after the second or third time, I started to piece it together, and it started to make more sense, and the, and the picture started to fill in. Yeah, there's definitely a reward here for people that are willing to give the book a second look. Yeah. And it's because the storytelling is really good. It, it's almost experimental, I would say. Like, yeah, yeah. really letting the artist carry the weight of the story. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, I loved it. I loved it, too. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Me, too. It, like Matt said, the strength of Harris's art is enough to carry what appears for now to be a slight story. But I trust Niles and Harris to mesh together. Yeah. And if Niles is letting Harris do the heavy lifting now, things will piece together as you go. It Absolutely. will it will be a rewarding uh complete tale. Yeah, there's a lot going on here and I think when it comes together it's really going to hit. Yeah, it's a buy it from me. Joe, what did you read to review this week? Well, for some unknown reason, call it a butt feeling. <laughs> I chose Grim Number One from Dynamite Entertainment for my pick. This is based on a plot by Jim Kauf and David Greenwalt, script by Mark Gaffin and Kyle McVeigh, with art by Jose Malaga. And these are all guys that write the show as well. I don't know any of the names other than David Greenwalt. I'm pretty sure David they... Greenwalt worked on like Buffy and Angel. Kauf and Greenwalt both write the show. Oh, I'm sure they do, but I, I think I don't know who Gaffin and McVeigh are. Regardless, losers. Here's your solicit. They're nobodies. <laughs> Here's your solicit. Set in the world of the acclaimed NBC series Grimm, homicide detective Nick Burkhart of the Portland Police Bureau learns he is descended from a line of guardians known as Grimm's, charged with keeping balance between humanity and the mythological creatures called Wesson. Not the oil. Not the oil. <laughs> Beginning this issue, Kelly, Nick's mom, Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> Begins her quest to destroy the coins of Zakynthos. Let's just get this Band-Aid ripped off. This comic book isn't very good. <laughs> well, how, many, we, how many times did you read it? <laughs> you know what? I looked at it a lot <laughs> okay. because I was trying to figure out how the hell to review it. Yeah. 
what we have here is a mediocre attempt to adapt a mediocre television show, and the results are exactly what you'd expect them to be. So I guess it's a success in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> Grim number one seems to spin right out of the ongoing plot of the show, which made me feel like I walked right into the middle of a movie. Instead of telling its own tale, it's like the show is here at this point, and the comic picks up immediately yeah, following. This is definitely a comic book for someone who's watching the show. But unlike something like Buffy season eight and nine, and the Angel and Faith book, right, which you could just pick up, these those take place after the series is over, right? Which means they add to the mythos. And you did not have to watch the TV series to, to pick not Buffy necessarily, up and Not read. necessarily. But this is happening as the show is still ongoing. Yes. And I don't really understand... It's like a side script within the script. Why it's telling a, the, a story. And it's not even about ancillary characters. It's about the main guy. Right. The main guy and his partners are on this adventure. And I don't... Like, maybe it's what's happening during the summer break. While the show is on hiatus? I don't know. I, I mean... Uh, with the exception of the ancillary uh, characters like Sadistic Jailer number one, you don't get a real feel for any of the characters. All of the main characters sound exactly the same. Unless, of course, they have a line of dialogue that directly references their identity, like, I'm Nick Burkhart, descended <laughs> from the Grimms. <laughs> Everybody else sounds exactly the same. Like, any line of dialogue could come out of anyone's mouth. The you, writer, know, you know what the problem is here? Here's what it is. This is TV writers writing for comics and relying too much on what the actors would do bring to on the, the show. Yeah. Yeah. Like I what totally the actors actually bring to the table. I totally As see opposed that. to what the comic characters would do. They're just trusting that we know them and we hear their voice in our head. Right. That's what they're doing. Sure. The writers spend half the issue in flashback and yet they also jump around in time and space, making the whole affair kind of a mess. Uh, the art by Jose Malaga, sadly, doesn't really do it for me. His yeah. figures are stiff. Pretty weak. His layouts are uninteresting. Plus, there's so much cross-hatching, you'd think this was an image launch title from 1992. Not to mention the fact that there's a ton of cross-hatching that does not make anything look three-dimensional. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> you know, it's still completely flat. It just makes them look dirty. Yeah. It makes I, them look like pig pen. They all peanuts. look like, that's exactly what I was going to say, they all look like pig pen. <laughs> Even the Alex Ross cover is way less impressive than his usual efforts. Uh, it's, it's uh, not a good cover. I think it's still pretty cool. No, it's not cool. I think it's all right. It's not cool. To be completely fair, I don't watch the show. I am fully willing to admit that I might be missing something here, but as a comic book that's trying to hook people, it's not doing its job. No. The whole thing feels kind of slapped together to capitalize on the show's popularity, and I don't know how anyone other than the most hardcore Grimm fan can get anything out of it. I'm giving it a leave it. I'm with you on this. Leave it for me as well. And I'm glad you picked this because I think it is the exact opposite of what we said about chin music. Whereas chin music very gently guided you through the story and let the art sort of lead you into this world. Grim comes at you so heavy handed with dialogue, flashback, dialogue, flashback, flash forward, you know, like new character. The, and, it's it's and, just packed full of words and boxes and thoughts. You, you can uh, barely follow it. I will tell you what I got sick of the most. It was weird German word explaining different monster. Yeah. Like, 
German word for lion man. Right. German word for beaver man. Yeah. German word for lizard man. <laughs> lizard I like. I get it already. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this just did absolutely nothing for me. And I think unless you're like the biggest devotee of the Grimm show, yeah, there's nothing here for you. Either. This was heavy-handed, overwritten, and just bad. Cash in. Leave it. MF Grimm is hard as hell. Murder anybody, I don't care. You tell. So that's a double buy it for Chin Music number one and a double leave it for Grimm number one. Of course, we want to know what you monster hunting supernatural gangsters thought of these comics. So be sure not to wolf out in polite company and keep your skin intact while you share opinions over at the comments section for this episode at twoheadednerd.com. Oh, yeah. More than once. It's all about brunch. After a delightful brunch with Ma Guthrie and her eight mutant children, Joe, Husk, and I got a little tired of her constant doting on her son Sam, a.k.a. Cannonball. The favorite. And decided to load ourselves into a giant cannon and fire us back to the ziggurat here in Omaha, all while reviewing ten comics during this week's Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Adventures of Superman number two from DC. I wasn't planning on picking this up uh, until the print version came out. Props to Camarillo Brillo for telling me I needed to get it. He was absolutely right. Right on. This is a great story by Jeff Lemire, written and drawn. A lot different than the old than the other one. This is much more metaphor. It's kids pretending to be superheroes, Aww. and one kid wants to be Superman because Superman always wins. Uh, and then you pull back to reveal that Superman was like watching them. Oh, like w- very warm-hearted, very not watching. Like, not like Michael Jackson was. Not like yeah, not <laughs> with his pants around his ankles or anything. <laughs> this is a huge fight for me. If you missed the old Superman, the real Superman, this is a must-read. Buy it. Twelve reasons to die. Number one from Black Mask Studios. Here's the thing, and I'm going to qualify this. Joe Patrick didn't care for this book. He didn't think it made a lot of sense. I read it twice, and maybe it helps that I am a huge fan of just Go- a butt feeling. Of, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Ghostface Killer from the Wu Tang, who wrote, or maybe didn't necessarily write this, but came up with the idea. The book was actually written by two other guys, and I thought they did a really good job. But I could hear Ghostface narrating this comic because it's definitely written in a way that he would write it. It's a crime story. It's definitely a black dude's coming up and taking the power back from Italian crime. It's a little fuzzy on when it takes place time-wise, but I really liked it. The art was solid. This is an exciting new book from Black Mask Studios. I'm looking forward to more. I'm saying buy it. The Private Eye number two from Panel Syndicate. The worst thing about The Private Eye is that unlike with traditional publishing, I never know when to expect it. Yeah. I have to rely on, like, Twitter. See, I think that's kind of cool. It is kind of cool, but it's just like, oh, oh, the private eye came out. Yeah, but you feel like you're sort of in on a secret. Yeah, I guess, I guess. And I think that's part of what they're going for. Sure. This is, again, by Marcos Martin and Brian K. Vaughn. Brian K. Period Vaughn. Brian K. Period Vaughn. Another wonderful chapter of this story. You get a little bit more about the crazy future world they live in. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, The main character, uh, Patrick Immelman, gets wrapped up in... The murder of his client. It's awesome. Wonderful art. Reads very, very well digitally. Huge buy it. And it's pay what you want. Yeah. If you want to be an asshole and give him a quarter for it, go for it. Don't be I an gave asshole. him cover price, $3.99. I gave him five bucks. You're a better man than me. It's true. 
<laughs> Superboy number 20 from DC. And humble, too. Yeah. I don't care for the new Superboy. I don't like his outfit. I don't really like where they've gone with the character. But Justin Jordan steps on as the new writer here, along with four different artists, which got a little distracting. That's a lot of artists. They're all good artists. We're talking like R.B. Silva. We're talking... Uh, Chris Cross. Chris Cross is in there. Kenneth Rockefort. And Kenneth Rockefort. All artists that I really like. But it just got a little distracting. This one introduces Hive into the new 52. They're not exactly the Hive that you might remember. We also get an introduction to the Dr. Psycho, apparently. Wait, is this Dr. Psycho? That's Dr. Psycho. Oh. He doesn't have a beard. He's got a shaved head, and he's wearing a, ma- a surgeon's mask for some reason. I just don't love this, the, but the I beard am, will come in eventually. I'm going to give it a chance because I like Justin Jordan so much, so I'm giving this a skim. That's a 100% improvement for Superboy <laughs> yes. on THN. Archer and, Ar- Archer and Armstrong, number zero from Valiant. I have spent the last several weeks shotgunning every Valiant comic that's been released in the last year. It's true. I'm 100% caught up, and I'm loving it every second. This is... The secret origin, the true story of the epic of Gilgamesh. Spoiler alert, it's really all about Archer, or Armstrong and his brothers. And the true stories in quotes in the yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful story. Great art by Clayton Henry. It sets up a little bit about uh, where are the... The three Eternals. The three Eternals, yes, get their uh, immortal status and their power. Archer, Time Walker, and... Uh, it's Armstrong. The, Armstrong. Oh, pardon me. Armstrong, Time, Time Walker, and the Eternal, and the Eternal Warrior. Warrior. Pick this up. Even if you haven't read Valiant up to now, this is a great jumping on point. All the Zero issues have. And it will lead you great, very well into the first trade if you're so inclined to give it a huge buy-up. 2080, Prague, 1831, from Rebellion? Rebellion. Yeah. Every time I read this comic, I rethink my British sci-fi allergy. The Judge Dredd story, written by Michael Carroll with art by P.J. Holden, is a mean, nasty tale of judges discovering that they might be clones. It's very well drawn and perfectly dread. Gunheads was a disturbing and beautiful to look at. Exactly what it sounds like. It's guys with big guns on their heads that everybody thought were comic characters, but it turns out they're real and really scary. This is a very high-quality comic booking, and I think I might be in every month. I well it, done, Rebellion. I think it comes out every week. Buy it. Yeah. There, 2080, I'm, I think, is weekly. It all might be, because there's 1,831 yeah. issues. <laughs> so, good luck. Good luck keeping up. Justice League America, number three from DC. I'm hot and cold on this series. I really want to like it. I, I think, don't care. I, I think do not care. It had a stronger start than Justice League. Yes. I'm not sold on the art. David Finch is not doing it for me, but I think Doug Mankey's taking over. That is the word I heard, yes. Uh, it's got a backup story about the Martian Manhunter by Matt Kent. But I, but you've also got comically villainous Amanda Waller blackmailing yeah. Stargirl to stay on the team. Yeah. And this is like who we're rooting for? I don't get it. It... it I'm on board because I see the promise and I want it to get better, but right now it is a hard skimming. X, number one from Dark Water. Dwayne Truzinski takes on the one-eyed vigilante this time, and you know what? He's just mean and nasty enough to make this book fun as hell. It's super violent. I love the Dark Horse superheroes. I'm glad X is back. The art is real solid here. The fun read. Now, do you necessarily need to buy this? Maybe not, because there's a lot of stuff like this out there. I'm buying it because I loved the old Dark Horse series, the old Dark Horse heroes so much. Qualified buy it for me. That's a skimming. 
Batman and Robin. <laughs> a qualified by- strong skimming for me. <laughs> Batman and Robin number 20 DC. This uh, is subtitled Batman and the Red Hood. It's Batman and Jason Todd dealing with Bruce's rage issues in the wake of Damien's death. Uh, Pete Tomasi does a great job writing a Red Hood that I don't want to immediately murder. Yeah. And uh, the art is a little substandard compared to past issues. Pat Gleason has some fill-in help here from Cliff Richards. It wasn't doing it for me until the last half of the book where it all kind of came together and Tomasi wrapped it up in a really great way. He's doing a great job in this book. Uh, I'm giving this one. It, it, it pulled it out of the fire. I'm giving it a buy it. Fair enough. Suicide Squad, number 20 from DC. I think your problem with Justice League of America is my problem with Suicide Squad. I don't care about this Amanda Waller. The old Amanda Waller was interesting. She was neither a good guy nor a bad guy, but she was not afraid to do the stuff that needed to be done to protect the world. This Amanda Waller is just evil. She's just evil. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like, what are they doing other than torturing these characters and introducing a character? I'm not going to give it away because it's a big reveal, but introducing a character that I don't think works here. I think Dr. Psycho from Superboy would have worked here a lot better. Spoiler alert, it's not Dr. Psycho. I don't care about this Suicide Squad. Alex Cott jumps in on the new writer as the new writer. Alex. Ailes. A-L-E-S. Oh, pardon me. Ailes Cott. Alex. Alex Cott. Write us and tell us. Tweet us and tell us how to say your name, sir. He takes over as the new writer here, and maybe it's not his fault, because it isn't poorly written. I just don't care the about problem, this direction the problem for the book. is the premise yes and the world that it takes place in not necessarily the execution it's not fun it's not it's just mean to be mean it doesn't make a lot of sense and i don't amanda waller is a mustache twiddling villain yeah it's, it's, it's just dumb i'm just leaving That is your ludicrous speed round, and slice is the sound made when a dove gets its head sliced right off in the heavy-handed foreshadowing scene that takes place in a church in this week's issue of Grim Number 1. There you go. Wait a minute, are we date-raping? No, go, <laughs> just read. As you may, or may pretend not to know... There's a whole internet porn empire built on the hard-working ladies we know as MILFs. So for this Mother's Day, we decided to invite some of the comics industry's hottest MILFs over for a Mother's Day brunch with mimosas made by our bartender Star Fox who slipped a little interstellar aphrodisiac into the mix. Oh yeah. Yeah, you... Yes, this is exactly what I worried it was. Oh no, no. So have a seat at the table. Alongside the Invisible Woman, Mystique, the Scarlet Witch, Crystal and Medusa, Dinah Lance, and those smoking gilfs, Aunt May and Hippolyta, and we'll gossip about next week's comics. Matt, what do you see yourself reading in the future? My pick for next week, regular show, number one, from Boom. This is written by... (laughs) (laughs) This is written by Casey Green with art by Allison... Straylow. Straylow. Stregelow. S T R E J L A W. What is Straylow? What is your family doing, Allie? Stray- Here's your solicit. Regular show. It's anything but. 
Cartoon Network's Powerhouse series now has its own comic book series. Hot on the heels of the smash it adaptation, Adventure Time, Kaboom! unveils the next all-ages comic phenomenon. Join Mordecai the Blue Jay and Rigby the Raccoon, a couple of best bros in their 20s just trying to chill for a bit, man. But when you're living in a crazy world they are, no day can be called regular. I love regular show. I love the cartoon. I love all the covers that are coming for this. And if it's handled half as well as Adventure Time, it's going to be great. Joe Patrick, what are you reading next week? My pick for next week is Avengers, The Enemy Within, number one, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, with art by Scott Hepburn. Here's your solicit. The opening salvo to the hotly anticipated Avengers Captain Marvel four-part event! It was all in caps. We can't resist. Bullet! <laughs> Can't keep a good captain down. Bullet! Are we yelling bullets too? Vicious echoes of the Avengers past. It's a callback. Got it. Are cropping up all over Manhattan, and a grounded Captain Marvel refuses to be left behind. Bullet! (laughs) Who is the sinister figure behind these incursions, and what does it have to do with Carol Danvers' mysterious condition? Bullet. But is this villain real, or just a figment of Captain Marvel's increasingly deadly imagination? They're giving her cancer? She's got something wrong in her noggin. Her powers are... So another Captain Marvel's gonna die of cancer. She doesn't have cancer. She's got the cancer. She's She can't... Like, whatever part of her brain allows her to fly, she can't access it without causing severe damage. I just assumed her butt was making her fly. Right, her... No, it's not her butt. <laughs> She gets a butt feeling. (laughs) But Captain Marvel has been wonderful, wonderful. And this will be a great place for you guys to check out this series that really deserves your attention. It's a crossover between Captain Marvel and Avengers Assemble, both Kelly Sue books, both wonderful reads. Good stuff. I caught up on them. And they definitely need help in the readership department. It's true. So check out this issue when it hits the stands next week. The THN trade of the week next week goes to Pathfinder Volume 1, Dark Waters Rising from Dynamite Entertainment. This is Jim Zub of Skull Kickers fame writing with art by Andre Huerta who have done done a wonderful job of bringing the role-playing game Pathfinder to the comics world, showing IDW how Dungeons & Dragons should be done. This is a ton of fun. Pick this one up. Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to next week, so be sure to tell us which comic book mom or grandma you'd like to nail, along with what you're excited for, at our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash two-headed nerd. It's time again to go shoulder deep into the THN Digital Mailbag and pick out a question from one lucky listener. That's right, it's Ask a Nerd time in the ziggurat. This month's question comes from my adorable baby cousin, Chris Kelly. Not Chris Kelly from Chris Cross, because as you know, he's dead. Chris writes. He is a dead person. Chris writes. Hey, you f***ing nerds. I currently own two beautiful pieces of original comic art. I recently bought a house and cannot wait to proudly display them on the wall of my comic room! Exclamation point. So, my question for you nerds is, what is the best way to go about getting these framed? I don't mind spending a little bit of money if I have to. I just want it done right. Also, follow-up question, if there is time. With packing and moving into a new house, I have neglected my comics horribly. 
I've not filed them away in months. I've been filing them away alphabetically and using the website StashMyComics.com to keep track of my collection. It's a great program, but like I said, I'm way behind and I'm open to other ideas. Can you guys give me a suggestion on how to organize my comics, how to keep track of my collection? Thank you so much, your loving listener and cousin, Chris Kelly. Ah, ah, this is fun. It's a nuts and bolts question. Let's start with the framing. I also have original comic art. It is framed, and it's on the wall in the ziggurat right behind me. I'm looking right at it. Joe Patrick's looking right at it. Here's what I did. You can go out, and you can spend as much money as you want on framing, and it is expensive, real damn expensive, or you can do what I did. Go to any hobby store, and they're going to have a bunch of different frames in all different shapes and sizes, some of which are perfectly shaped to hold your comic art. Do they come with mats? They do come with mats. Booyah! They'll have a thing in front that says, this size frame, and then you take it out, and there'll be a piece of black cardboard. Or you can buy the cardboard cut to fit in the frame for almost nothing and frame it yourself. Get a T-square, make sure it's centered. You can put some of that sticky tack on the, bow- on the back of the art, which doesn't leave a mark. It does a really nice job, doesn't leave any oil on it. You tack it up, and boom! They look perfectly professionally framed. I framed... All of my original art, I own five pages, I think. I framed all of it for less than $50. There you have it. I'm telling you. And for your follow-up question, this is a matter of debate because there's a lot of different ways to file your comics. Joe Patrick works in a comic book store. I worked in a comic book store. And what we always did was alphabetical. We did alphabetical, but we also... Group them by family. It was qualified like, alphabetical. If there if there was a group of books large enough to have their own family, for example, Spider Man, Spider Man, Superman, the you X-Men. filed those all together under S or B for Batman or whatever. That is to say, like, but the the question is this: Do you put Robin with the Batman books, or does Robin go under R? That's a tough one. That's where it gets tricky. This That's the problem really with, with that system. But, like, certainly Adventures of Superman, Action Comics, Superman, Superman, Man of Steel. Sure. Those can all be filed together under just the header Superman. Yes. Web of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Superior Spider-Man. These can all, all go under Spider-Man. And I think no one would fault you for that. Our philosophy is... If a grandma comes into the store and says, I'm looking for a Batman comic for my 10-year-old grandson, Timmy. Right. You don't want to say, well, actually, there's about 15 different places for you to look. You want to walk you over to, walk over to B and say, here is Batman. Right. And if you, as a personal collector, wants to say, well, Robin deserves his own section, then give Robin his own section. Who gives a shit? It's true. And that makes sense in a retail store. Me, my comics, I go straight alphabetical. Sure. Straight alphabetical. I don't care if it's Spider-Man or Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man, A. Spider-Man, S. X-Men, X. All new X-Men, A. It goes straight up alphabetical because that's how I do it. What do you do when a series changes titles? Like, for example, Uncanny X-Men was only called Uncanny from, like, the 70s on. Yep. Alphabetical, buddy. So you put... Anything you have before Uncanny under X, and it, then to, then you go to U? You got it. Shiz. That's how I have to do it, because that's the only way that makes sense to me. If, if I'm looking for it, I know what I'm looking for. I know I'm looking for it by the title. I go alphabetical. Fair enough. I also know people that group their stuff by company. Marvel Comics, DC Comics, Image Comics, Independence, 
and they go straight alphabetical from there. You know, there's lots of different ways to do it. What you need to do is figure out what works best for you. Right. How, like, how big is your collection? You know, does it justify having it divided up by company? Do you even care about having it and divided up by company? how do you company? think about your collection? Do you think about it as Marvel Comics, DC Comics, Image Comics, or do you think about it as Batman Comics, Wolverine Comics, Spider-Man Comics? You know what I mean? That's what you need to take step one and decide <laughs> how you think about your collection. I'd like to tell you all a story about our friend Big Mike, oh, our Lord. dear departed friend Big Mike, who had a sickness, an organizational sickness a that sorting I've sickness. never <laughs> seen anybody else replicate. He organized his books by creator sometimes. That was just one of the ways. So he would have, for example, a Greg Rucka box. And in that Greg Rucka box, you would find Queen and Country, uh, Rucka's Run on Detective, Wonder Woman, whatever, whatever, whatever. He'd have a Chuck Dixon box. And then you'd have your Chuck Dixons. But then, hold on. He's also got his Birds of Prey's in a whole nother box. Yes. Because it's Birds of Prey, complete run. <laughs> you wouldn't have half of it in the Chuck Dixon box and half of it in the Gail Simone no, box. No, 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 That's just crazy. Yes. Whatever you do, don't do that. Yes, God. Yeah, because it can break. <laughs> if you get too weird with it, it breaks down. If we have to come into your apartment after you die and sort your collection, we will talk bad about you at your funeral. It's true. It's absolutely true. Because the system can break down really, really fast. So make it simple. Think about how you think of your comic collection as a whole and sort it that way. As for the uh, tracking of it, I'll, I'll admit I have never attempted to track a collection. I really haven't either. Like to have a catalog of everything that I've owned. or Not even the shop has a, a list of everything it owns. I did check out Stash My Comics, that site, and it is pretty cool. I think it's something that is very worth, very worth doing if you can start doing it Either immediately after you start collecting or before your collection grows to a certain size that it becomes untenable. Otherwise, get prepared for some homework. Although, having it all like on a site like Stash My Comics certainly makes back issue shopping easier. Yeah. Especially going to shows and stuff like that. And you're at a convention, you've got your phone, and you can look and go, I'm missing that issue, that issue, and that issue. Boom. There they are. I totally see that benefit. It's way out of my hands now. (laughs) Yeah. Like... (laughs) I had a I had a collection that spanned thirty years and yeah. I didn't have it in any order whatsoever because I didn't care and there was no like it's beyond it's beyond tracking or sorting. Right. You'd need a team of guys working forty hours a week to do it. Yeah. So thank you. Best of luck. <laughs> Thanks for your question, Chris. And if you have a comic question or trivia challenge for comic book sorcerer supreme Joe Patrick. Send it to us via email with the subject line Ask a Nerd, or Skype us, or call us at the New Ziggurat Direct Hotline, and you can check out TwoHeadedNerd.com for all our contact info. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the Mother's Day episode of THN. If you can't get enough of our nerdy motherfucking stuff, you can subscribe to this show Gross. on iTunes. Or Stitcher, if you want to prove your THN love, you can leave us a star rating and a written review or a Stitcher thumbs up and help us to connect with other potential listeners. Huge thanks to all of our past donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in Mother's Day cards and in brunches, 
How many times are we going to say brunch in this episode? Mothers love brunch. You can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, at TwoHeadedNerd, our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, our Skype handle, TwoHeadedNerd, all one word, no spaces, and our new direct phone number, 402-819-4894, where you can send slash call us with your Ask a Nerd questions or ask the comic pushers what you should be reading or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, whatever. And don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN Love Slaves at TwoEditNerd.com including the all-new, all-different, all-daring Tales of the TD Dubs by our very own Tony Dugwright who's been writing for us for a while, but I drunkenly responded to a very old email from him this week and invited him to join the team. Welcome aboard, Tony. (laughs) Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear even more of your answers along with our own, be sure to check out the newly revamped TwoHeadedNerd.com web-exclusive Not Safe for Wonder Bras audio blog, the new and improved answer of the week. Next week, we're messing up the mix and mixing up the mess and taking a look in a book when we review the new Star Trek Countdown to Darkness because the new Trek movie is upon us. It opens the day we record next week's episode. Holy goodness. I might skip. But don't forget, Comic Pushers will be back the week after. Before we go. Our weekly shout-out goes to Ray Harryhausen, who passed away this week. Word to you, Ray, who was a true master of Hollywood special effects that brought us incredible monsters like the Kraken in the original Clash of the Titans, the Cyclops from the seventh voyage of Sinbad, which also featured what, in my opinion, are still the best animated skeletons I have ever seen. Word to you. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Love you, Mom. Sorry for everything, Mom. <laughs> Mommy! Can I go on in? Get